Today's episode is sponsored by our very good friends over at Neural DSP. If you're completely unfamiliar with who Neural DSP are, they make guitar and bass plugins that cover a wide range of tones and styles. Anything from the crisp cleans of a Tone King Imperial to the rich leads of a Soldano SLO. There's also the Archetype series, which is essentially signature amps made by some of your favourite artists. So whether that's Tim Henson of Polyphia, Pliny, or our very good friend, Rabia Massad. If you like the sound of all that, you can get a 14-day free trial over at neuraldsp.com on any of the plugins that they do. Um, and even better than that, you can get 30% off if you want to buy some or all of them or just one uh, using the code music is everything at their checkout. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Music Is Everything podcast with me, Matt Hornby, and my good bud, Andrew Groves. Hesitation there. Hello, everyone. How are you? <laughs> my good Samaritan. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, yes. what are you excited about this week? You know what? A lot. I think it's one of those times, it seems, where and there's been just a good a good influx, a good flow of excitement. I feel like sometimes there can be a kind of um, a drought of excitement or maybe like I'm just kind of solely focused on one thing. But recently a lot of, a lot of my excitements is obviously, you know, the benefit of being excited about things that are fairly cyclical is good, like new seasons of this or like whatever mm-hmm. a new book comes out. So that's always quite nice. And it's always a good time of your life when, like a lot of them all seem to, you're like, I can't believe all these are coming back at this time or like this book's out at this time, this series is out at this time. And then all of those things that I've been excited about have led on to me being excited about, I found new things to be excited about within the sphere of excitement. So I thought this is what, this is the sphere of excitement that I was excited about. It turns out there was, there's so much more to be excited about. There's more beyond the horizon that's yeah maybe is it do you think it's a, is it a time of year thing because i know like things are released tactically generally around away from christmas um yeah maybe like summer kind of that's a good that's a good time right like everyone's yeah. kind of i think i think everyone's feeling a little bit better i'm a very i'm a winter person and and i fight for winter so i i personally feel that summer is also kind of an illusion I don't know, maybe I've only lived in places where there isn't really one, but I feel like it's the, the build up to summer and then it never really comes. Whereas at least winter is reliable and it always comes. I think, you know? I think I personally think summer is a state of mind. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a belief system, which I subscribe to. Cause you start um, wearing shorts quite early on in the year. I seem to remember. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I've already had the flip flops out and what? Uh, already. Yeah. I, wow. Yeah. I say it with kind of, slight cringe on my own behalf okay. <laughs> it's like i'm not like full hawaiian shorts and you know get my my what's it called sleeves yeah t-shirt tan out oh sure yeah yeah um, Farmer's not tan. That I have one. yeah but yeah you gotta you gotta like so don't just embrace it okay if you don't if you if you wear too many clothes you're just always you're never gonna absorb that full amount of vitamin d so it's too cold for that him it's it's there's you'll get the burn but you won't get the you won't get the warmth. It's too, it's too windy. But oh, you get a like secret, way a secret burn, like maybe an over, an overcast burn. You might get. You just might feel a little bit hazy at the end of the day, and you're like, "It's been cloudy all day. What's going on?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, 
I'm a little bit sunburnt. That's gets, that's yeah. about as good as it gets. That sounds terrible. I'm, you know, <laughs> I love Iceland, but that sounds. I've only been in winter, sure, and that's cool. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, well, apart from being excited about everything in the world, yeah. So let me let me and, zero and in on this. Specific. Let me zero in on this. Uh, okay. Uh, f- long story long. Uh, we were planning a trip to the UK and for us, um, that's both the stressful experience moving a small child across the sea um, and then sort of maintaining him somewhere else where you have nothing of home. But also it, it's one of the few times where we really, um, like you really notice the difference. And I think it's a really good thing wherever you live to kind of go away and come back. I think it's a nice, a nice mm-hmm. feeling. Um, and for us, you know, one of the big, differences here is is just the the kind of sort of option and accessibility that you get in England obviously it's just a, an international hub and things go through there at a good price you know and and lots of them you know and there's lots of businesses there competing so it means that when you're there things come quickly and they don't cost a lot of money whereas here not many things come and you have to pay quite a lot of money so there's a really good selection you know, we were like, ah, oh, let's, um, what, what, what can we not get? You know, kind of thing. Oh, nice. Um, like, you know, is there anything we could order or whatever? And, you know, and often it's stuff that we're interested in, you know, a lot of the things we're interested in are Japanese or, you know, a lot of the stuff that my son's interested in, that those cartoons haven't quite made it here yet kind of thing or whatever. So we're like, oh, we can get this and, oh, that's going to be so good and blah, 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 blah. And in my search um, for, you know, when I, I don't know if I don't know if this is a universal feeling, and I think today's episode is a kind of a search. I think for for this is like I had an idea of things that I have wanted to do for, in my room for a really long time, and um, I wanted to see. I, I kind of have written it off as being something that I didn't think existed. And you know, when you're like, I don't know, I can't, I'm trying to think of a good example. Let's be like, oh, I don't know. Let's say you, t- you really like taking pictures and you're like, wouldn't it be great if I could like have, for argument's sake, like frames in your room. This is a great idea. And I'm, I know it already exists. I'm already excited about this analogy that I just thought of. Um, but like, imagine you have frames in your room, right? And you like taking pictures. And obviously the idea is that that picture that you're taking, that's something that's really inspiring you. Or maybe you like other people's pictures that you could, you know, have a room to, to be inspired in that you, you, you know, a quiet space that's got all your things to kind of work and you could take some pictures and then, you know, fling them to your frames and they would change and you you could look oh, at see, that yeah. you could look at all of that and that would be really exciting and and you know as always there's you know i i i kind of magpie you know it's it's the vinyls it's the b-sides it's all that kind of stuff and it's the books and the rare deluxe whatever and they're the things that i really treasure i really you know i think really fondly about them and i really look for them and uh, what's the word covet them and I and I want to create a space. I've always wanted my studio space to to be, you know, against my nature for tidiness, to be somewhere that's really inspiring, and I can grab anything in in twenty seconds or whatever. So anyway, long story long, 
I really wanted that for a lot of the artwork that I like, certainly from a lot of like the mangas and stuff like that. I've always been like, man, it's, it's some of the pages are, I, or some of the parts are really inspiring. And I really like, th- I, there are ideas or concepts that are just, I know that that image has, or whatever has stuck with me. And I didn't think it existed. I was like, wouldn't it be great if someone did them bigger and put them on your wall? Or like, just like, imagine you could own like one of the sketches. Like that would be, can you imagine? That would be incredible. You know, like, um, and I've looked really extensively to find a way where like I could take or even they're just an endless amount of things and they could just be small little things or whatever inconsequential things that I'm like man I wish I wish I could live in that picture I wish I could just have it big enough so that it inspired me and I could look at it and just find new things all the time and and, and it would excite me in my in my own space so anyway just randomly a couple of weekends ago I just came across this website that was just like, here you go. And I was like, this is the best and greatest day of my life. (laughs) And I spent the whole day going through each, and it's just basically before something gets kind of, you know, put into a book, obviously they kind of draw a version and it gets kind of marked and basically Mm -hmm. like sent for approval. So it's kind of just rough sketches or final sketches of a lot of the artworks that I, I like. And obviously, you know, hotly coveted and there's not, you have to be there and get it at the right time kind of thing. But I didn't even think it existed. And I was like, oh my God, I can. And and a few weeks ago we spoke about the, you know, but there's so many great artists that aren't Banksy or, you know, whatever, Picasso, and it's not a million pound to buy something. You can buy something for 20 pounds and it'd be something, an absolute labor of love on the highest quality print, you know, one of 20 kind of thing and own that now, you know, like that's such a, such a great, a great thing that that I took for granted. And so the, the ability to have some of my, my like favorite, the favorite like panels or something like that, I was like, oh my God, I can put them over. And they're like, the one, you know, like the art, the scribbles are on there and, and whatever. And I was like, oh, that's just, this is so cool. That's very cool. And then, is it, is it, what's what's the kind of style? Is it, is it from comic books? Is it from yeah, so, album art or what kind of thing? Well, actually there's, um, you, you can <clears throat> get a lot of this for, um, for, for, for most things. This particular, um, website is mainly based around like animes and mangas and, and whatever. Mm. So it's usually like, for example, um, like I've I've got a few books that have larger versions, um, but they are basically the uh, uh, the kind of final signed off image. But they're not in well, they're not in black and white, and they're not they're they're drawn kind of um, they're drawn kind of like strangely, so almost like uh, like different colors represent different shadows. So they're all kind of like green could represent like a deep shadow and blue could represent so they're quite oh, strange it's, it's kind of like con- concepty yes yeah like a, con- like a blue like a blueprint like a blueprint blueprint is exactly how i'd describe it but they are the kind of final sort of signed off image and like there'll be scribbles and maybe some of the editor's notes might be on the image or whatever but they're usually a little bit bigger um and then via this website as well i, I found that you could like find the original cells as in from like um, obviously we've been on a really big Ghibli um, thing at the moment and um, and and you could like buy one of the original cells as in like not 
a print, not the drawing, as in the one in the film. <laughs> um, oh, wow. And it could just be like... What, a, what do you mean by sell? So obviously, think like overhead projection paper. Sure, yeah, if yeah. If that makes sense. It's basically, um, if you imagine a, most films back then are essentially a still image mm-hmm. with other images moving over the top of it. So a, a background mm-hmm. with... And obviously those cells are see-through so that you can see the background obviously behind sure. it. So it could just be like, you know, obviously some of them are like an arm, you know, like, <laughs> like, yeah. but some of them are obviously some of, you know, the most, uh, you know, like uh, modern cinema, you know, like, uh, you know, something from Spirited Away or, or Kiki's Delivery mm. Service or Totoro or whatever, you know, like, but like we found some that like you could get some of the original like Pokemon um, wow. uh, cells. Um, they did, um, uh, they had like uh, a load of um, kind of uh, image art from like loads of famous films and stuff. And, um, and then... Uh, they also had just, or they just seemed to import a lot of like original art. And some of this stuff is like, and I mean, uh, man discovers antiques, but like it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, 16th century, 17th century art. And like, there's like a whole story behind it. And like, you know, there was one that they're really big into like trip. Again, this is imported from Japan, but like Japanese art, they're really into their triptychs and they were printed by hand with like wooden blocks. And, you know, like one of them was uh, um, this incredible like triptych of like this um, kind of naval battle. And the, like the sea was drawn in that kind of beautiful, you know, style that like that really kind of traditional Jap- Japanese mm. style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, like, it, 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 the artist who who uh, kind of made this was like under, you know, like heavy duress to basically like no images of this naval battle were meant to be documented specifically, like unpunishable upon death because apparently Japan weren't doing very well. So they were like, you know, we don't want any of this reported on. And this, in, this guy, he felt that someone should, you know, show the spirit of the Japanese warriors and that like, even though they were losing, like, there were people still, you know, giving their lives for this thing. And so he made these, a couple of these prints and it was like 300 pounds. And I was like, like, what? what? Like, that's amazing. Isn't that, that, what a wicked, imagine, you know, I I really, I'm excited about custodianism. Maybe it's an English Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. uh, but this idea that like, man, you know, Imagine you could, I could buy that now. And I would have that thing, do you know, in like from that time, that person made that thing. I can't even fathom the circumstances and the emotions and the, you know, whatever. So yeah, so I I started off looking just for my silly little comics. And then I ended up finding like, you could get like all these vases and trinkets and parts of like, um, like these incredible uh, um, kind of um, like not hilts, but basically kind of like a just a very decorative metal plates that they, mm-hmm. they they would have, and and obviously their craftsmanship is like unreal. But obviously no one really cares. Like at the same time, if that makes sense. So the, the prices were like ridiculous, and then I was like, right, okay, now I know what I'm looking for, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I I don't think I spoke about it on here. Maybe I did at one point, but and I had a, a real um, 
crusade of trying to find some and buy some Roman coins. Right. Really? I, I love the idea of like that. Who knows where that's Why been? Not? Like yeah, that, yeah. that's like, that's so long ago. Like, and it's available. You can bind them. You can, it, there's so many places where you can get them. And some of them are pennies. You know, there are more valuable ones than others, but that's only more because the timing was more valuable than others. So, you know, Julius Caesar or Augustus or whatever, like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the, oh, it's the David Beckham of, you know, the Roman Empire or something. <laughs> like, so that's why it's more, like the the lesser known kind of emperors and 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 what have you were kind of, you know, they're not, you could you could pick them up for, for like 20 pounds or something. And I was just like, I love the idea. And I'm so now I'm like, oh, it's opened a whole new world. Not only can I, you know, and and, and the pages I wanted were, you know, maybe 20 euros, I think. But now mm. I'm like, man, I could own like history. The whole of it. I could own all of history <laughs> for like a relatively small amount of money, you know. And isn't that inspiring? Imagine, you know, I love the idea of, you know, you could buy, um, we've been looking, thinking about art, you know, to put up in the house. Mm-hmm. And we've all had, as a family, we've all had such a lovely experience with Studio Ghibli. And he's loved them and we've loved them and and like we've all just sat down and watched them together and, and they're like they've become such a part of our family like such a such a nice thing that we shared and like we managed to find something like the original movie posters and we're like it's cool having a print but like it's so cool to be like that's that's an yeah, original gee. uh you know and obviously you know that comes with the responsibility like obviously well not obviously no one's ever been in there but in our living room <laughs> it gets quite a lot of sun. So like, we're like, oh, actually maybe that's not a good place for something, you know. You that- can you can get a solar kind of protective glass. Oh, really? Like in frames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. For but we definitely need to do that. Yeah. I th- that. Um, but I just thought that was the cool, I mean, you know, that's what antiques are, right? Um, but Old it, things. Yeah. But, and one man's trash is another man's treasure type thing. But <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you know, I did look, I actually looked up what an antique uh, the definition of an antique recently. Oh, okay. Um, who knows? Maybe this is another uh, aging podcast subject <laughs> where, you know. That's us. Guys, you know, in their mid 30s. Music was liking, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we talk about antiques and history. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's uh, I looked at what it was because the word antique in your mind, you put it on a pedestal of like the Mona Lisa or like yeah, yeah, yeah. this rare sword from the Sword of the Stone. Oh, but also know, just some toot from like your nan. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but actually the definition of it is just, it has to be old. Right. So yeah, it, it, it and it's in, like you say, if no one cares about it, mm. it is kind of worthless yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to quickly show you something. Oh, please. So I have a neighbour who is, um, who's lived on like the next street for 45 years. Oh, is this the guy you said, we spoke about this before, right? And he was saying like, oh, this street's changed and like my favourite period in this time. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, was his favourite period is the 1700s. Okay. If you haven't, if, great. whatever episode that was. Can't that's remember, a great, but, if you, considering you weren't alive in that time, I think that's a fantastic time to talk about. I, I think it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's quite eccentric, but yeah. it's a beautiful sentiment. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, not like my favourite bit. It's, mm. it's, it's selflessly, you know, giving everyone. Sure. Yeah. You know, the best bit. But anyway, I saw him the other day and 
he needed a bit of help. So I like put a note to his door, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, he turned up, um, I'm just being, you know, doing a good turn, local hero type mm-hmm. stuff in my spare time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for, for no credit, I'm not mentioning it on a podcast or anything. Sure. No, know, no, no, no. Don't, don't comment below. Silently acknowledge. You're such a good soul, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> you know, credit to your community. Mate, it's, anyway. it means more if you never say anything. I've been clearing, okay. I've been clearing snow can drives we, here. Can we edit this? Silently. Can we edit this bit out? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, but anyway, as, as a little thank you, he popped around the other day and uh, delivered me a book. So those on video. Oh, nice. Here's a book. And it's called The History of Brighton by Bruce. No surname. Bruce. But anyway. Cheers, Bruce. What I found, found fascinating was this book. Mm. I, I haven't read it yet. I say yeah. I'm not very good at reading, but anyway, there's a. It's called the history, of, the history of Brighton with the latest improvements to. <laughs> there's a map. There's a map as well. Okay. To 1835. Wow. And so this book is very old. Mm. Like it's super old, and you kind of go like, I'm holding it. Mm. And it's, it's, it's really old. Someone's taken the, like someone at some point, in fact, his name is here, is it someone Bruce, John Bruce, has put, you know, the effort, it won't be one person's work, I guess. Someone had to, because they wouldn't have had typewriters even then, I'm assuming. How would you have written it? Press. Yeah, okay, fine. Printing press. I should brush up on my uh, printed media history. But, um... Yeah, I'm just amazed at like the knowledge and then to produce it mm. like literally nearly 200 years ago and then it still exists here in my hand the sum of that effort. Yeah. And someone's just given me it for free. Oh, as in, it, it, as in that's it, that's yours. Oh yeah, yeah, he just gave me it. That's the nicest thing someone's ever done but, ever. No, but he's he's given um some like gifted a couple of like uh, paintings of Brighton from the 1800s as well. He, he really? collects all this stuff. Re- really into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't, why didn't he want he, it? He, he, he basically feels like there's no one who really cares about it that he can kind of pass it to. Uh, oh, and I haven't talked to him a lot across the last couple of years and shown an interest in mm-hmm. old shit. Mate, <laughs> um, take up the mantle. You're going to be the new guy. You have to come watch your favourite period, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, it was Pop the Byzantine. Uh, <laughs> well, it was the Byzantine the conquest. Like, oh, don't ask me anymore. Just ask Matt, that's and then it. I'll have to know stuff. That's it. But anyway, no. But he, he's just he just shows a real keen interest in this stuff and wanted to put it somewhere that people are you know care. That's very cool. And I really do care. And yeah, it's, you it's there's yeah, just it's just so I don't know. I don't know, we talk about this a bit, but it's, yeah, everything that we are is built on our history, good yeah. and bad. And um, I just think it's fascinating to kind of understand why. Mm-hmm. Like, why is this building the way it is? Why is it here? Mm-hmm. What was here before it? You know, just it's context to kind of everything. So, yeah, it's quite humbling, actually. Well, I was going to say, um, it, 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 that's the, I think that's the, you know, even to think that people were considering Brighton in that way at that time you know, means that people were considering Brighton in that way for, you know, a lot earlier than that as well. You know, like I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't think of people in the 1800s thinking of 
<clears throat> writing a book about how Brighton's improved. Like, I feel like, did Brighton exist then? Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 what, yeah, yeah. surely everything was in black and white. You know, like, so it's kind <laughs> of, I think it's, it is a, uh, it is a, uh, it, it, you know, like it, it's so easy to write off history as 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 kind of not stupid, but like lacking intelligence of or, or perspective. But yeah, in the in the kind of pursuit of because we're always kind of thinking of this idea that uh, of development, like the future is better, stronger, faster, Mm-mm. you know, more more intelligent, and you can lose. You know, humans have been around a long time, obviously, mm. and uh, just the, the amount of knowledge and even art and the, the the minds that have existed before us, and and it's amazing to think that this is a lot older than me. Yeah, and it and it will it's already you. older than I will ever become. Yeah, which is quite incredible, really. And you go, who has held this? Because if you put yourself in that position, mm. someone might have been reading this in, you know, 50 years later in 1885, yeah. which is when my house, house was built. In, like, by, in the Victorian times, by a fire on a Tuesday evening in the snow. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. just if you, you could picture, like, who's literally holding this, it's kind of a connection to that time. Um, There's a um, wonderful uh, Jamie Lenman. Uh, had a wonderful, uh, wonderful phrase that he kind of, well, sort of, and maybe he didn't invent it, but uh, kind of a, coined a phrase at the time of writing one of the songs, which is called "A Short History of Everything." And the idea is that you know we're gone in the blink of an Earth's eye, so you know when to in, in, when you zoom out to that perspective, we're absolutely nothing. And the idea of in, you know the the song is kind of. Ex- exploring this idea of being nothing um but also then yeah this idea of being wrapped up in layers of history is is i think such a romantic and i'm not sure if he coined that himself or it was you know kind of impressed upon him or something but um i thought that was a really cool idea again where it's like you're you know there's kind of like a thread between you know one point and another point and in the middle of that, somehow you get wrapped up in it and maybe you change its course. You know, maybe you, um, you know, maybe, maybe you change what happens to that book. Maybe, maybe you're just a kind of a vessel, you know, you just pass that on and, you know, maybe you have a kid and the kid has the book, you know, whatever, you know, like maybe mm-hmm. you have a house fire, maybe the, that's it, the end of the book, you know, or whatever, maybe you lose the book. Um, and the idea that like, you know, sort of inserting yourself into history, I think is, is, is so, so interesting. You know, we, we spoke about, um, I'm certain I've repeated myself here before, but remember one time going to the London, I think it was the London museum and just being immediately caught by this incredible shield, um, that they found, uh, in and around, uh, London, this Roman shield, this gold kind of, I don't know if it was gold, but sort of plated shield. And just remember me and um, Adam from band just staring at it for ages and being like, now that's here. Like, <laughs> it, it did, could you even comprehend? I'd love for the person to know 
that it made it that like think of I'm sure there were many shields. I'm sure that person made many, many shields, but this particular one on that particular day is gonna survive, you know, however many years, two thousand years, whatever, you know, like to mm-hmm. this point now, and we're standing here looking at it in a museum. It could have been nothing. It could have been everything to that person. It could have been nothing to that person. We don't know what the situation was who made it. We don't know if that person was under duress to make it or whether they were, mm-hmm. you know, a prize. Or whether they even liked it, yeah. Exactly. They, maybe they hated it, you know. Yeah. It's, um, and what that, you know, did that, was it ever used? Did, you know, where, how has it, what's changed hands between now and then? Um, and, and I think, like, I, I hear, like I say, a custodianism I, and, and kind of a, uh, I think I think that is a thing, uh, you know, in the same way that it's seemingly, you know, men of an age want to build things. And, and I think there is an idea, I think that in deeply rooted, it is kind of something that will outlast me. I think like there's a, a kind of a, a mortal awareness that's wrapped up within that, making something that will last longer than you will. And, Definitely, yeah. And, and that element. And, and, and again, I, I, there is, you know, immediately kind of just searching around, like, there is so much available that, I mean, like I said, no one really cares about, but you could care about, you know, and, and like I say, like a tiny little insignificant coin, you know, I, I, I love the idea of being like, who touched this coin? Mm-hmm. Who's, what did this pay for? You know, what, who, in what was yes. the nature of the exchanges? What were the, you know, was this, and like there was loads of kind of fakes and there's so much history around the kind of watering because obviously uh, uh, coins used to actually be literal as in contain a certain amount of a valuable um, Mm -hmm. uh, metal that was the worth. This is, Mm -hmm. this is for argument's sake, a pound's worth of gold, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously people would just water them down and re, you know, that was a, a kind of a hustle you know, and so like the kind of, even the constitution of the coin can kind of give you so much information about like where it was, where it was made. And some of them are so local, the, the, the sense of these things. Um, and yeah, so, so yeah, so I'm going to buy all that stuff anyway. And nice next. <laughs> but, but, all of it. And, but, yeah, I mean, very- thing is I would, I would, I could buy all of that stuff and spend a hundred pounds and still have change, you know, like, and have things that, I'm, I, I'll, I'll treasure forever. You know, I love the idea yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, 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 of that. I really hope to, you know, as a dad, I'm really, I mean, I'm sure all dads go into it like that, but I, I'm, and I'm sure by that comment, I'm sure it will never happen. And, you know, he will, he will hate anything to do with history, but I love <laughs> the idea of being able to just be like, you see this, you know, or like, you know, maybe when I'm dead and they're clearing out my stuff and they're like, you want this? And then, <laughs> you know, and they're like, no, 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 that, that's, a, that's, you know what that is, right? That's, you know, I'm like, oh God, no, okay, maybe I will, you know, or just whoop, you know, like, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, just bin, yeah, bin, 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 Ghibli bin, you know, like. <laughs> Give what? <laughs> exactly. I can't even read it, it's all worn out. You know, but. That's what I've been excited about. I, I've just been perving over random kind of vases and little and just really old prints. Like there was one print that was like one of the first 
or like, you know, in the realm of being some of the first ever manga um, of this wow. kind of samurai guy. Um, and again, like super faded and, and whatever, but I just, yeah, I just thought that was the cool. Oh, and it's in London. And that was kind of the point of this is there's a gallery space in Kensington where that holds all of this stuff. Um, nice. And you can go there by appointment. And so I'm getting one and I'm going to go down there and I'm going to look at some shit and buy some triptychs. Because uh, they're like, like I say, p- pennies. And I just, there's, the art alone is stunning. Um, and obviously someone really cared over it and there's the story and it's all kind of validated and, 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 and you know, kind of like official kind of thing. And so I love even that it's just... I don't need it to be like, oh, Napoleon drew. Do you know, I don't yeah, need it yeah. to be a... a, no, a, a button off Napoleon's jacket. Yeah, yeah. I just, I love the fact that it was just some guy and he made something and I like it now, you know, uh, as, a, as a nice piece of art and something I want to, mm. you know, look after. So, so that was my really long um, exploration in time and space. Matt, what are you excited about? To be honest, I'm just going to sit and, and join you on that. Okay. I think... I think, oh, also, I was, what I was going to say, I'm excited to be here because, uh, sorry to regular listeners, I was ill of, as of last week for a long time. Mm. We normally record slightly in advance, so it was actually ages. Um, so I spent a long time watching stuff. Nice. So I'm fully stocked on my <laughs> watching bank. Um, but no, on... One thing I've got to say on this old stuff thing, and something I keep thinking about, is I rewatched the um, the Attenborough Netflix thing. You know, the one that's like an hour and a half long. Uh, it's kind of it's it was actually pre it. the latest series, but it's the one. It felt very much like his parting gift. Almost, uh, okay. he went through Netflix to kind of reach the biggest audience possible, and it's about it's about the, what his journey through nature Mm -hmm. in his life uh, since he traveled the world from the 50s to now and how the environment has degraded significantly and then you know catastrophe and then positive spin at the end Mm -hmm. of what we can do if you haven't seen it i really really recommend it um but uh, linking that to kind of the history historical artifacts and all that kind of noise is that the, I think that's the one thing we sometimes think in human terms of like, take my book, someone wrote this ages ago, mm. someone's read it, people have owned it, mm-hmm. the human element and context of this thing. Mm. But I imagine the trees it's made from were very old. Um, sure. I imagine, I also like to imagine in in this Attenborough thing, he was saying in the 50s, humans are caused like this. I mean, this is pre-industrial revolution. Right. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. It, it, the person who bought this from a shop mm-hmm. walked out their front door, would they have heard more birds? Would they have, sure. would the sky have been clearer? Would the air have felt purer? Mm-hmm. You know, like all of these things, organic food was probably the norm because they grew it in the garden or just mm-hmm. down the road. All, all of these kind of, the experience of these people yeah, yeah. in the world would have been very, very different, I think, mm. to the one we experience. Less noise, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and I think I think that is something. It's it's like humans create these little markers in the sand to uh, illustrate our experiences, mm. 
in the world to kind of contextualize what's going on for us, you know, and give mm. us a bit of a, we do it with all sorts of things, you know, there's, you know, there's like height things that you get in your kitchen when you're a kid. I sure, one, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, we're always trying to kind of, uh, taking photos, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook or, you know, your phone giving you a memories highlight of sure. this time in your life. It, we're always trying to kind of like contextualize, but I think when it's bigger than, our singular experience that's when it's really powerful mm. um but but i but i also think it, i've never really cared uh it's taken me quite a lot of years to appreciate like the importance of that you mm. know things that are bigger than your experience um hence getting excited about old books cool is that um, the, so you got you said you got some pictures as well from the 1800s Oh yeah, yeah. I think I got three of them. Oh, um, you have to do a show and tell at some time, Matt. Oh well, yeah. I go. Paint. Matt's. Are they paintings or are they drawings? What's the? Um, I'd imagine they're they're painted, but I'd imagine it was like pencil sketch and then okay. paint overlay kind of vibe because they're quite detailed and quite extremely beautiful. Um, but yeah, what's what is fascinating is. And I think I just think about this all the time. Is if someone, if if like a new building is being built, mm. everyone's like, "Whoa, the new building! Mm-hmm. What's it going to be? Mm-hmm. Oh, not more flats! Blah 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 blah. Oh, you know, there's a housing shortage. We need more houses or commercial space. Why do we need more of that? Mm-hmm. There's already loads of close-up shops. People think about now the future, but yeah. I'm thinking, cool. But what was there before? Yeah. Like, oh, it was just some old industrial unit from the fifties. Oh, the 50s. Right. Well, this area was like developed in the 1880s. So what was there before that? And why did that go? Mm -mm. And because, I don't know, we we place a lot of importance, especially, uh, well, I think generally on historical buildings, especially in in Europe anyway. I Mm. know in the US it's a kind of uh, shorter history. Yeah. Architecturally. Mm. Um, But a lot of the time like in times that aren't now it, you know the context was different so like victorian stuff wasn't as revered mm-hmm. back in the 60s and 70s so yeah, exactly. a lot of things were flattened and then high rise came in um i don't know i just find it very it's very universal i'm taught i'm i feel like it's universal mm-hmm. some may not agree but we all exist on in this space mm-hmm. you know wherever we are um and it's all we have currently and we can make decisions about where we want to go and base and kind of with the knowledge of what we've done before mm-hmm. to know what's good and bad. Um, but yeah, I just find it, I find it entirely fascinating to just, yeah, to just, to just know what was there before. It, it, I think it's everything to, to understand what we're doing now. Mm. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's quite it, conceptual. No, I think you. I think I, I share. I, you know, I share something that, um, and I'm actually still um, on the lookout for. So, if anybody does know, it turns out that usually when we talk about this stuff, our Discord is actually pretty good at being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you, you know, you care about that." My dad does this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, like um, some of those YouTube channels I recommended, <coughs> like the Londonist and um, Old Martin. Um, who does the stuff under Manchester. I think you would be so into Matt. Um, just passionate guy, 
he just wants to see yeah you know, exactly what was once here how you know how was how was manchester at this point and and he goes and s- to see if he can basically find the old parts you know they could be under 20 shopping trolleys in a in a sainsbury's car park now you know but he goes to like find them and goes where the you know a river used to pass through here and he tries to find that river and it's really really cool um that's great yeah and um it's something that always really I don't, again, I don't know if I've said this before, but something that has stuck with me and I I just hadn't really considered it. And and what I'm looking for at the moment is if there is somewhere where you can see an overview of history sort of over the decades, as in I'm talking way back, of world history just so that you could get a really good understanding of what was happening at what particular time oh. because I find that when you start I, I start to lose perspective of what's happening at a particular time in when, I, when I'm thinking of kind of historical dates mm-hmm. and something that really 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 stuck with me um, was the idea that obviously certainly within England and more or less Europe in that sense. Obviously the Roman Empire was a pretty big influence, right? Um, and obviously the Roman Empire were kind of like a, a, a quite an easy historical um, line to draw because they, well, they sort of forefronted they didn't necessarily invent it, but they sort of forefronted the use of stone and marble and kind of really, you know, ran with metallurgy and and basically making things out of materials that take a bit longer to degrade, or at least we can still read their imprint mm-hmm. and their effect today, whether that's the roads or whether that's a building. There's still some kind of like foundational aspect that with without any huge leaps of the imagination, we can kind of, you can see it all over England, even funny enough, um, watching the old uh, fishing with matey and matey. It's interesting when you watch <laughs> the, the um, they often do drone shots. Um, but in the UK, I think you can see it. You can often see within like a field, you can see like depressions of, of where, yeah. you know, when you're seeing it from that distance, um, you can see our oh, well, building used to be there or whatever. And, and obviously that was, you know, something made with materials that weren't going to decay, i.e. like wood or, you know, something that's kind of very temporary. I suppose wood is actually the main one in that sense. Um, But something that really blew my mind when I got my head around it was that the Romans were in England and they're in England and they are making, and again, for example, I went to um, Cirencester, and there is an amazing museum there. Um, Cirencester used to be the capital of, in, uh, of the Roman capital of England. It was called Corinium. And basically that entire area is just littered with colosseums and huge um, kind of like uh, uh, mosaics, uh, uh, but as in like, um, like plazas almost. Um, okay. And um and the roads there, all of them are, you know, Roman roads. You can, you can see the straightness of the, the roads and everything. And 
we we went we just I think we went there for like a birthday or something and I was like oh there's a museum like we'd go to a museum and so the Romans and they're here and they've brought with them kind of modern plumbing they bought with them modern construction you're having like huge and I'm talking football pitch huge you know mosaic plazas as in anyone can walk on this this is the this is the town center right and they're building um, baths, obviously, kind of the, the, the one of the big lasting aspects in that area of England. Sort of uh, harnessing the power of, of the kind of hot springs. They're bringing aqueducts. They're bringing um, money. Obviously, again, that doesn't degrade. Um, and uh, marble and, um, you know, uh, modern jewellery with, you know, clasps and, and you know, intricate metal, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, like attachments and, and what have you. Um, obviously swords, shields, all of this stuff, incredibly modern, obviously. And then your artwork that's obviously at this, you know, time, you know, they're, they're using, you know, kind of the, the latest dyes that are, you know, are lasting a bit longer than the ones did before then. And, you know, these mosaics obviously and pottery, all of this stuff, long lasting, they're living in buildings, stone or or marble buildings and they're making these things and they're cutting them and they're they're utilizing the technology to take this stuff and this stone and they're you know i say technology slaves and they're um they're the best technology and uh they you know are getting these things built and people are living in warm sanitary stone you know modern democracy blah 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 you know these things right mm-hmm and then, basically, uh, the Roman Empire is pretty stretched thin by this point. And England, obviously, you've got the Picts and the Scots, who aren't Scottish yet, um, and the Britons, causing endless problems of kind of raids and what have you. And, and, and a lot of this is um, obviously essentially, you know, Romans come in and they essentially push these people out, the true Britons to some degree, into Cornwall, into Wales, into into you know Scotland, um, and then, so there's endless raids from Ireland, ironically by the Scots who aren't Scots, and like the Picts, and yeah, like sort of uh, uh, um, the Britons who I think are in in, in uh, Cornwall, and basically the Roman Empire sends a letter to England or the whoever's kind of custodian of England that basically says. If you need us to send basically military might your way, mm. basically we can't guarantee that that's going to happen. <clears throat> and so basically the generals there obviously like, well, I'm not sticking around. And basically Rome kind of cuts off England. It can't, it's stretched far too thin. It's, it's kind of fighting uh, uh, um, a very East facing uh, uh, battles at the moment can't it, it just it's super stretched so it can't protect roman rome's sort of interest within england so within a hundred years right hundred years of this mm-hmm. there are no longer people born who know how to maintain these things these that no one knows how to fix the baths so the baths wow. mold and fall into disrepair Nobody knows um, how to work with the aqueducts. Um, people also start forgetting what they are 
as in what these things are meant to be, what these statues are meant to be, what these scrolls and obviously writing being obviously actually probably first and foremost, one of the biggest things is that, you know, the idea that there is writing now going all over Europe and there, and that there are highways and byways for that to go because the Roman empire expanding and they're sending letters and moving information around. And then, then the Anglo-Saxons invade, then the Vikings invade and they live in mud or stick huts. And everyone who lived in these capital cities who can now no longer be protected and essentially a lot of the Romans essentially integrate into the, they either leave or basically the, the for example, you know, let's say uh, somewhere like York or somewhere where it's, you know, a big kind of town, a big, obviously eventually they sort of integrate and they intersex and they, you know, and, you know, and that's how the, that they kind of just become, you know, they kind of Stockholm syndrome themselves and there's no one coming to save them. And the kind of sense of power gradually evades and it becomes a kind of township. And, and, and within like 200 years, people start to think that these big cities were made by aliens and the writings become outlawed because no one can read them anymore and no one knows what they are. And they think it's some kind of religious, like, you know, kind of uh, like an attack or like a blasphemy almost on, on their, on their religion. And obviously everyone no longer protected in, you know, the idea of a London to be everyone living in a big town. Obviously then the Romans start to fade to law and order starts to fade and they start to leave and head into the countryside. So these town centers disappear and just become rotting sort of monuments or monoliths almost to an empire that no one can remember and no one knows what any of these things are. So, you know, it would be like dropping a, you know, a Ford sedan into the, (laughs) and no one knowing what it is or how it works and just watching it rot. No one can maintain any of this technology. And so within 200 years, no one is using any of this technology. Nobody knows what it does. No one knows what it is. No one can read it. No one can maintain it. And no one wants to live in those places. So, but the idea of all of that comfort, heating, baths, buildings, and going to live in the countryside in mud huts and sticks and very primitive, you know, resources... Is in, and that's after them. That's that that goes on for years and years after them. That bloomer. I didn't ever consider that, that was the order that we achieved. You know, modern civilization almost, and literally watched it rot within two hundred years. And I think that's just such a humbling idea that as us as you know, they're they're they are they are relatives now. You know that we're we're related mm-hmm. to. We're all some kind of. Saxon, Anglo-Saxon, Viking, you know, Britain. Uh, uh, we still look like them today, those people. Yet, yeah, we, we just sort of essentially watched all that stuff rot. Is insane. Yeah. It's mental. I, I can't... No, I don't know anything about that at all, but it's, it's mind-blowing. But I guess, I guess it makes you think that a lot of the progress that we kind of look for or that happens is generally squandered by politics sure. of some description, whether that's a war, a disagreement, whatever, uh, or a war following a disagreement. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. 
That's, that's, like what a that's regression. Fasc- fascinating. Like, to, but I guess I guess that you can see you, it. Kind wouldn't of... you not see them and be like, "It's raining. Let's get in there." <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, maybe it's yeah, cold. They might let's really, go in there. They might have been in really bad condition. You yeah. know, um, it's a bit like it could have been like The Last of Us. You know, just all you know, sure. abandoned. But I guess you could see that happening. It just made me think: Is that going to happen now? With mm. you know. Debenhams is closed and the internet's good in the countryside. Yeah. <laughs> we all got to see you later, well, town centres. Co- yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. There's too many people now. There's just people everywhere. But I think, I think that certainly happened. For example, like COVID uh, uh, inspired a huge movement away from, you know, capital cities. But a lot because of no one needed to live there anymore. It's a, it's a great idea. And I, I believe in this idea, actually. It's a great idea, but I think so many people are um, beholden to or addicted to or need uh, the social, well, we're social creatures, but the social element. And it's very hard to kind of ignore social hierarchy and social norms Mm -hmm. entirely. Sure. Even if you pretend or think that you could, Mm -hmm. it's, you can't just forget that you like going to the pub and you call, you meet your mate, John, on a Tuesday. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You get something from those things. Mm. It's like if you move like if you move abroad. Sure. You leave a lot of the things that you are so inherent in you. Mm. Um, so it's quite difficult. But again, there's structures and you move to a city and there's other people who have done the same mm. and things to make it easier. But if you if you just wanted to... I think a lot of people who moved out of these cities or big populous areas kind of this is a theory but I've read a bit about it people are kind of gone okay it's just old people and the broadband's rubbish and I can't get my mocha chapa chapa latte from the uh, is that is that the uh, mocha chapa what's that lady marmalade that's what I'm thinking (laughs) sure 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 (laughs) uh yeah, you can't get your fancy coffee and, you know, Amazon takes, doesn't even deliver and where's my delivery? Yeah, but then you can buy a bigger, you know, that's the the point is even businesses were like, well, we don't now, it doesn't matter. We don't have to be living in the centre of London or somewhere to to operate. We don't, we don't need to live in this expensive uh, uh, sure. real estate any longer. We can, we can, we have the internet now. We can we can move our premises somewhere else. Um, obviously, a lot of the time that happens because of tax, for example. But mm-hmm. you know, like Ireland seems to be quite popular at the moment. Um, really but, popular. Uh, but I think you know, like e- e- even on a small scale, like there there was a lot of evidence of you know, sort of LA and New York and London people m- moving away from them during COVID because they re- they they wanted a bit more space and they lived in a small apartment in a capital city which is great while that's functioning but it was interesting uh, on a small scale to see that as that idea became like well there's no reason for you to be here and a lot of people you know moving to see relatives or whatever you know um and maybe kind of you know choosing to spend their lockdown out there etc etc i think um i think even on a small scale i think that's that's super interesting to see kind of those influences on on human movement and what that yeah what, definitely what that does. yeah i think i think it's one of those things that you have the trailblazers kind of who've done it already 
And then the media kind of just flip-flops around trying to work out what's cool. Mm. And then it'll take a generation probably for those. Because obviously at one point, like my next door neighbour moved away. They Mm. lived, this is 1985. And they said when they first moved here, it was like family, family area. They had a young Mm. family. It was a family area. And then what happened is the kids grew to the age where they all left home mm-hmm. and then it became very quiet and very, you wouldn't hear any okay. laughter or it just became a bit stale. Mm-hmm. And then they're like my parents' age. And now a load of those people are moving out and a load more kind of young family people are moving in again. Sure. And it's kind of and rege- regenerating the area and, you know, bringing their kind of wants and needs and doing up houses and whatever. Mm-hmm um with them um but again it's like with villages at some point would have had i don't know maybe they're just a smaller micro system where there's always different generations but yeah i guess there's it'll take it, it takes young people with energy and some i don't know kids and money to bring to like rejuvenate an area i think that'll take i think a generation for that to happen in the countryside because it's a very slow process. You get lots of YouTube channels now about saying, you know, renovating your chateau in France that you bought sure. for 50p mm-hmm. and all these government schemes across Europe of saying, you know, buy a village for a pound, but you have to spend millions on it. Sure, uh, sure. And yeah, loads of that kind of thing. Well, funny enough, we've been... Uh, uh... <laughs> also, sorry, if, if, if my video, if you're watching my video and there's a slight strobe up to now... That's because I left my main light on. Oh, fine, fine. Off. Magic, so of, magic of the fingers, Matt. That's all right. Um, <laughs> uh, I think, like, funnily enough, uh, something we've been uh, uh, looking at recently is uh, obviously, like, for example, in, like, Japan, they're having a real problem with kind of their um, older generation basically um, being the majority. So obviously the, mm-hmm. the uh, kind of lack of new young generations or, or kind of lack of kids really coming up is that they're ending up with a lot of properties with no one to inherit them. Um, and so right. um, there's a kind of a thing at the moment called an, an IKEA, which is basically um, essentially a an abandoned home, whether that used to be the family home that's kind of too big to maintain anymore and maybe mum and dad have now, you know, moved to somewhere smaller. Um or just, you know, again, maybe they passed, but they didn't have kids. Um, and it's, again, similar in Europe where those properties are can be as little as free for the cost of kind of maintaining the house and clearing it out. And usually it's just left with the belongings that are in it. Um, but as always in, you know, like housing that's obviously not in Tokyo or Osaka or, um, you know, any kind of the main uh, 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 cities there. In the countryside, um, you know, you, you you can happily buy uh, a property with you know a, a ton of land for some of them are ridiculous. Some is like as little as like twenty thousand um, dollars, mm. and the idea, you know, in the society now where you know the idea of owning a house is just such a huge undertaking, you know, and and you know while we, you know, a long, long road to being able to do that out here, you know, looking at how much money that will cost us. And 
And, and just thinking in those terms has been being like, cool, well, if we do this for the next 10 years, <laughs> you know, like to, it's a, mm-hmm. you can't even think about what's that, you know, far ahead. Um, the idea, the, the kind of uh, allure of being like, we could club together and in a few months we could actually own somewhere. Like just to be like, I own that. I own that land. Can't afford to do anything with it, but I've got that bit of land. <laughs> like you yeah, say, yeah. even as teenagers, we uh, friends of mine would look up like yeah, French mansions or whatever, and it was like we could club together and buy this, and just you could have twenty rooms to yourself, I could have twenty, you know, like you know, we'll 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 just buy it now and just deal with the. Co- mm-hmm. We'll do we can do whatever we want on the consequences, um, but it is like there isn't such an allure to something like that the idea that you could actually you could own something like that now you know and again that's something that's gonna last longer than you and and you know you can cultivate that bit of land and make it something really um you know your own and and whatever oh it's it's amazing i there's yeah i've watched a few shows uh it seems to be quite a popular thing is buying chateaus in france Mm -hmm. and um but I think you either have to be like retired or it's, it's a, well, it's a proper way of life. Yeah. You know, if, you got to not really want to do anything else. Mm. Um, but it's very tempting to kind of, not tempting, but very alluring mm. to kind of, uh, abandon ship and, I don't know, grow vegetables and, and grapes, make wine and keep well, animals. You, you need a lifestyle that's kind of congruent with mm. with that uh, we, we we we've said it multiple times like we have a few kind of we've even joined some newsletters and everything because we see a few properties come through and we're like this it like there's nothing wrong with it like we could you know like we could do that now in you know with what we've saved or whatever you know um and and yeah uh, again you, you'd have to just it's one of those things you would have to live and breathe it and you'd need to have some kind of lifestyle where you could earn money mm. while you were tearing out beams and and all that and all the all the fun and uh you know and just utter misery that comes with all that kind of stuff is like oh no they you have to get a metal girder in and to do that we've got to reinforce the thing and the foundations aren't you know whatever and it's like oh the contractor said it was going to be this but now it's going to be 50 times more and it's going to take 20 times longer and i know you said you had to be in there by this month but uh, you know like so you know, there's all that other sadness, I suppose, that comes um, uh, with it. But it's certainly become, uh, um, again, there's a lot of traditional houses out there built, um, you know, in various periods of time. And even then just being like, wow, can you imagine, you know, having yeah, something were, like that? Yeah, that's almost like the most difficult thing. Because actually, when you think about it, like, I know um, Elon Musk has, I think I might have mentioned this before, Elon Musk has brought this idea out of this um, $10,000 house, okay. which is uh, kind of a... a a mass-produced, you know, very easily replic- replicatable design, mm. um, and if ten thousand dollars to kind of address this idea of making it accessible to everyone. Yeah, yeah, um, that's cool. It is really cool. It mm. is really cool. But when you get back to basics and what you were talking about about making buildings out of mm. stone and mm. out of the ground, it's. I think now, obviously, our house is a lot more. But you, in the olden days the good old olden days, mm-hmm. you could, you know, this is my plot of land and I'm just going to build something. Mm. And it maybe didn't need central heating and the internet, but, you know, and a big electric oven or whatever. But 
stack a few stones up. Bit of, <laughs> done. Few, bit, a bit of grass and a couple That's of trees it. for a roof. You, you job done. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just but when you actually think about it, what it it means is it's it's shelter, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And 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 yeah. It's. A, a, I mean, whatever this episode has become, it, it's a. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting as well looking at like considerations. Obviously, like the considerations here are very different than the considerations in England and looking at the considerations in somewhere like Japan, even climate and, you know, the idea of being somewhere where, you know, there is an intense humidity and then an incredible amount of snowfall. Um, even with the idea of like, you've got cockroaches and oh, yeah. um, snakes and spiders and, and, um, and wildlife that want to get in your house a bit more, violently than they do in England um, and termites and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, England, the real consideration is kind of location and then damp. That, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of the big England just sucks at damp. Like it is, mm. I've not, I don't know a single house that is just not riddled with it or there is takes some kind of precaution involved to maintain the flow within the airflow within the house, there's just something wrong. They do, they out here, the air's a lot drier. So it's not much of a, not as much of a problem, uh, seemingly. Um, uh, but again, like that being a huge consideration and something, you know, again, with these older houses and obviously like earthquakes and tsunamis and, you know, it's, so it's been really interesting, even just vicariously to look at some of the considerations and looking at people building things and being like, you know, even in ways you don't expect, you know, the idea of a wooden house and, you mm-hmm. know, for someone who's lived in some kind of cement or stone house their whole lives, the idea of like, but isn't that going to get wet or like, you know, like, isn't that going to yeah, fall yeah, yeah. down? That's what, that's not North America's pretty like a lot of wood. Yeah. Um, which I always found when I first discovered that, I always found it mind blowing because you used to, you know, brick or stone or whatever mm-hmm. here. Um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of research about the damn thing as well. Sure, and it is just—it's just about airflow. It's, we've introduced well, heat. We've introduced heat, and uh, and we don't like drafts, sure. and that is the, the, the main cause. So uh, we used to have cold and drafty houses which weren't damp, mm. and now we have warm and sealed houses Mm-mm-mm. which so you, you know it, hot air plus cold air equals mm. condensation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. equals. Damp. Yeah, although don't go me wrong. I'm the guy who goes around and is like, you've got to maintain the airflow. You got it. It's, it comes through <laughs> here and comes out of there. That's why when we cook, you can smell it in this room and you can da 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 da. And that's the way they're gonna, you know, you got to find the natural flow of the house. So yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm you in do. charge of all all the heats around the house, maintain a consistent uh, temperature and a consistent kind of airflow. No, ex- no extreme but, changes. But I think that goes back to what you're saying about. Uh, the loss of knowledge because mm. i think i think now there's a uh we've kind of gone back almost mm-hmm. and and we generally the understanding of how like buildings work mm. is quite limited and yeah. you know uh it, it i think they they seem so complex and but like back in the day everyone would be used to some kind of manual labor mm-hmm. and probably have an element of understanding about the how, or maybe an involvement in how things work. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, a lot of the, 
a lot of our ancestors' jobs were practical. It was practical. Yeah, it's um, labour. Yeah, exactly. Trades and, lots and of labour. Building going on, mm. and whether you worked in the railways, in the mines, in mm. the construction, in production of something. Mm. Um, but I do think, yeah, now there's a very limited understanding, even by professionals, about how it, how it actually should work. Sure. Um, and does work. And uh, yeah, I that maybe that's part of harking back to a an older time been interested in this i don't know it seems it's, it seemed simpler you know you could just rock up on your horse and I'd be, <laughs> I, should, I should say i should say i've been ill for two weeks right and i've got i've smashed out another 15 percent of red dead right so nice so you just you just on your horse going oh, i've got this wildlife i could just build a little house there if i wanted that's it and it's just you know you're just free to roam yeah yeah i think it is a uh, funny enough my brother-in-law is a uh, very um very skilled engineer and um he has a love of of uh, old cars and i think it always says a lot you know as in I'm sure anyone who has owned or operated a car and has any kind of relative who knows about cars <laughs> um inevitably when my citroen bullshit would or whatever you know my little 17 year old run around just past kind of car and I don't I don't know it's dead it's dead um sounds like um kind of thing um and obviously taking it to him to be like could you have a look just so that at least tell me what it is and then if I can and something and inevitably he would always give me some kind of spiel of just ah they're just too complicated now and they're just da 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 and considering the fact that like I've been and gone to car shows with him um, you know, multiple times. And obviously, famously, these older cars do break down quite often. And personally wit witnessed him fix cars with bits he's found by the side of the road um, and then drive home as if nothing, <laughs> as in nothing, as in literally, I think it was a, Drive something went anyway on this beetle and he just fixed it literally with things by the side of the road um just enough to hold something together and a belt i think and that that got us home <laughs> you know and like it, the idea being that if it was a modern car that's that's it you know like i think i think cars don't even really break down that anymore they just sort of stop like certainly the, the more modern kind of electric cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. You they just kind of don't. fix it without a computer. Yeah, well, they just, it's, it's not, you know, like it's not <clears throat> some huge crash bang wallop type thing. It's just literally you press go and it doesn't one day. That, there's, you know, just nothing, there's no noise. Everything isn't, nothing is literal. Your brake isn't braking anything anymore. Mm. Your accelerator isn't revving anything anymore. It just, it's giving you the impression that it is. Do you know, I read uh, there's a car they're now working on that has a an entirely the, the steering wheel mm. is not linked to the wheels sure it's entirely software wow. and i can't remember the brand but i read an article about it and it sounded quite fascinating and mm. there, there were positives you know that you could depending on your speed you could change the amount that you have to turn the wheel to move the, the, okay, the wheels sure, sure. and um, like a diff. but yeah that's 
that's totally mental to mm. think that you're literally it, you, you're just playing a racing uh, simulator at that point quite literally yeah yeah is yeah. and it's it's sort of the lack of control is I, m- I remember learning on a manual uh steering wheel as in you know having to no uh no uh power steering or anything like that having to literally yank the car around and i remember transitioning to a car with, and i just it was just like whoop like i'd obviously got so used to yeah, yeah uh, you yeah. know not having to pull the steering wheel around that that you know being on something with like a power power steering just felt so weird and even now i have we have an automatic and even for me that's still so strange i remember learning on a on a manual for so long um and obviously now the fact that there's kind of cars that obviously you can there's some an, an autopilot that's seemingly on the cusp of being quite commonplace. Um, yeah, it's it, it's an uh, it's a, an amazing development. But then you know it's the cost of modern living. It's you know we want cozy, warm houses. We want a radio. We want um, you know these these even our safety. You know we want to kind of guarantee that to a certain uh, degree, and all of that's adding a complexity and obviously then the environmental issues, um, whereas obviously traditionally, you know, the idea of you just need to go from A to B and, you know, for example, I have fond memories of watching my brother-in-law go off to work or whatever in his hat and glove and scarves because there's no, you know, there's no heating, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, there's just an air cooled, whatever, you know, and so you just had to wear more layers or, you know, you couldn't listen to music, the engine's too loud. You know, mm-hmm. there's no sense of of, uh, of that kind of comfort. You know, but and, and that's just we kind of pile things on. We want we want to plug our iPod in now. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, we yeah. want to plug up. We want Bluetooth <laughs> now. <laughs> exactly. How do I plug my iPod in? That's it. You know. So I think it's um, it it's it it, it drifts further and further away. Even like you say, between between professionals. You know, if you, I don't know if, if you've ever tried to get anything fixed. Um, you know, in the last 10 years, it's like, oh, well, these people can work on this thing up till this point, And then another company has to come in and... Oh, we'll and, just get you a new one. Sure. But I think it's, yeah, I think to, to kind of like find some nice place. Mm. I think it's, there's a, a healthiness in this. And maybe you could argue, mm. feel free to, that it's, uh, you know, the future is uncertain. So in these uncertain... <laughs> my uncertainty is causing me to uh, hang on to the past mm. like a rife left rife left a life raft mm. but i think there's i do think there's it's important to remember why i think it's it's cuz the more that tech and modern stuff it develops it, it kind of pushes us further away from the meat and potatoes of the situation. Mm-hmm. And like nature hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The world hasn't actually changed apart from how we've destroyed it. But the, how it works is just consistently similar, at least. It mm-hmm. obviously develops. It's just our experience and our kind of big blanket we put around us ourselves that has changed. But I think being attached to the very principles, which I believe we were more attached to, mm-hmm. I think is important to remember. Absolutely. Uh, and if it's like all these TV shows now that go, can you stick a millennial in the woods and for 10 days and see sure. if they survive? Mm-mm. And they will go, oh, I've got to just Google. Oh, I can't Google. Oh, uh, you know. uh, <laughs> is, is that a show? I don't know. Let's I'm, make them I'm naked instead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I made that up. But, you know, there's like, 
yeah, I think it's just, in, I think it's really important to remember. And I think maybe it's, is it to do, is there, a, I don't know. I feel like art often tries to connect mm. into to real stuff in that way. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm open. There's no conclusion there. I just feel like I have a burning desire to kind of connect with that stuff. Yeah, I think it's I think it is like uh I can't even know how long it was ago. A few years ago anyway. Um I went to visit my dad and um he lives on a farm. And we spent the weekend there. And I hadn't seen him for a little bit. And the idea was we would just go there and obviously like the farm doesn't stop. Like it just, it, there's just an endless list of stuff that needs to happen and sheep and animals and whatever that need doing. And so there's no real like, <laughs> no real kind of conclusion. You know, it's like, well, that's the sheep done for the year kind of thing. And until you eat them, I suppose. Um, and like a myriad of processes that are kind of constantly in flux, even if it's just, you know, planting things and, and when that needs to be done and clearing things when that needs to be done and whatever, sharing things when that needs to be done. And we ended up being there for the weekend and just, just right. This, like, for example, the, um, irrigation ditches were full of weeds and, some sheep had fallen in there and died and um, some trees had grown over and obviously then that, you know, creates a little barrier and then the water gets kind of held up or whatever. So it was just our job to just go through and just clear these. And this is, it's, you know, this is, this is up, up north where there's land. Uh, and so, you know, we, we literally did that basically all weekend is just walk, you know, put in our waders, walk down the stream and just see a branch, cut a branch, trim a branch, see a dead sheep. All right. Get him out, you know, bag him up, you know, just kind of clear the way. Okay. Clear some, maybe there's loads of nettles or something, right. Get the, you know, shearers out or whatever. I mean, we did that all weekend. I was there to see my dad. Um, but it, it was so peaceful mm-hmm. and I left more rested than when I had arrived mm-hmm. and it was so mindless and just chatting away and clear, like just got just so binary, got this is A, it needs to get to B, you know, and you, mm-hmm. you'd clear a bit and you'd watch the stream get a bit stronger in that bit and you'd be like... It's a bit of satisfaction. Give it a good old... Give it a slap. <laughs> give it a tree a slap. and Yeah, nice. And me and Sophia and my dad and my sister and whatever, we just, we just cleared this stream and then we got all the wood and we chopped it up and we turned it into firewood and dad had a chainsaw. I mean, did a bit of chainsawing. And it was probably more relaxing than if I'd gone to a spa. I, I don't know how, but it just, it just felt like, and, and you know, maybe if you do it all day, every day or whatever, but there was a real sense of just kind of a connection there, a real sense of like, 
I knew where I was. I was just kind of a part of this process and I'm just doing that. And now this farm's going to work so much better and that's going to help this grow and that's going to feed that, um, you know, that's going to fertilize this bit a little bit better and that's going to, you know, and then the animals can da, 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 whatever. And now the sheep won't fall into it because we've fixed the fence that, you know, what all this kind of stuff. It was so menial. But, but, but important. Yeah. As in if, if on Locally. a world's, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say if on a world scale, no one unblocked the ditches <laughs> and, and got the dead sheep out and fixed yeah. the fence. We, the world would stop. Yeah. So it, uh, in, on a very micro level, it is helping the human race continue. Mm. Look at that. I mean, yeah, it's just... I, and I'd argue, I'd argue. So I'm a big believer in that. And I, I kind of grew up in the countryside. Mm. I think doing what you did that weekend is more important than this podcast. Oh, 100%. So, sorry, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I, yeah. I genuinely believe it's it's so key. And it's also the point of life. Yeah, the, guard, the guardian. I think even in the even in the Bible, there's a, uh, you know, was it being a being a being a guardian of the land, and I think or a custodian of the land. I think, and I think it is a, you know, that's the what's the old adage? Was it you know, society works best when people uh, men plant trees of which they'll never see the oh, shade or experience the shade or something like that. Is that a thing? I like that. Loads. It is a thing. So the and again, like that's. That's, you know, obviously that's a bit extreme in this case, but I, I, yeah, that is a, there is a nice, um, it is, it is that connection. And, and I, and I think, you know, I, I remember studying philosophy for my A-levels and, um, I always found it very profound. Every lesson our, uh, teacher would always ask us a question, um, you know, fairly divisive question. Just be like, oh, okay, how do you know you know something? Or, you know, how could you sort of prove the existence of God? Or how could you, I don't know, you know, fairly big questions, but whatever. And what would be really interesting is when we first started learning it, we would kind of just, you know, he would go from person to person and they would present their idea. Like, well, would you, you know, I, I think this, right? Because you know this and da-da-da-da, whatever. And then maybe there would be someone else in the class who'd maybe disagree and, He'd go to them and it would kind of create a bit of discussion. And what was always really humbling in that sense is that he would end, we would come to the end of the lesson and he would kind of feed it and be like, well, what about this? Okay, well, what about this? And I like what you're saying there, but how about this? And, um, and then closer and closer to the end of the lesson, you know, we'd be like, well, you know it because, you know, I know what I, da, 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 da. And he'd be like, Plato... 1453. And then you'd be like, what? And he'd be like, he said this, 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 this. Not that he existed in that time, but mm-hmm. pulling out random dates. Okay. And well, you're saying that's Descartes and that's, and you know, from these dates to these dates. Okay. And what you're saying there, that doesn't make that, contradicted by this guy he said this uh, and it was Immanuel Kant at this you know in this time and he said this and you know 
I think that's better summarized. You could say this, but I think actually it was said better by this person, you know, Aristotle. Mm-hmm. And you'd be looking at the dates and this argument would have kind of whittled and whittled and whittled and whittled down to the most bulletproof knowledge, you know, whether it's, you know, the, I think therefore I am some kind of very incredibly concentrated sentence that encapsulates an entire argument of thousands of, 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 of people throughout history trying to solve this idea without any calculators, without any computers of modern kind. And when you would look at the date of the person who came up with this idea, the idea that someone before there was a car, before there was, you know, before there was a printer, before there was printing presses, before there was anything like that, that person on their own with probably no anything looking out of a window at that period in time of their mud hut, they had worked that out before you had at the age of 18 in Rygate College. (laughs) And with all your phones and your things, that person on their own, unassisted, had, you know, created that entire thought experiment and whittled this idea down and, and and had done that thousands and thousands of years before you were even an atom. It's is is insane to think of the biggest ideas of religion and knowledge and 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 how you know something and why you know something and and why we're here and and why you know the the biggest questions obviously until you know science could kind of start answering these things it was the you know the the biggest stage for for these discussions and almost all of them happened thousands of years before we existed and modern philosophy has in comparison added very little um, i guess there was less there was less noise at the time there was enough technology but less noise so you could sure. sit on a big hill and go hum never think about it <laughs> Maybe. Plato wasn't sat inside watching, you know, The Sopranos and going, <laughs> sorry, I'll think about the meaning of life later, mm. if that's the same guy. Mm-mm. I'm not a big philosophy guy. Mm. I love I love the idea of it, studied none of it, no, sure. none of it, technically, like a lot of things. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's a lot less noise. And that's what I was saying about um, those simpler times. It's not that like there was no knowledge. It's not like where we are is the pinnacle of mm. human achievement. Maybe it it's all relative. It's hard to say. And yes, some things are further, but some things I'd argue are worse. Mm. Maybe that's the case with all time. Mm. But yeah, I think, yeah, simpler, simpler, simple is great. <laughs> simple is everything. <laughs> simple is everything. Simple is everything. Ah. And it comes to like, I think I keep thinking of that about music. I'm like, I want to get to here. And then you're like, why couldn't I just write a song right now? Here's a guitar. I've done it. Job done. Simple. Mm. Just cut out the noise. There's so much noise. Maybe it's just me. Sure. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the weight of modern living. It's kind of, you know, you, like you say, that's, that's designing a car now. You know, there are so many more considerations of getting you from A to B and there's so much more weight and, and so many more, uh, 
you know restrictions and and, and stuff in the way of that. But I, I actually think it's I think it's restrictions though. Def in in because designing a car in sixteen hundred, it needs to do a lot more physically. It wouldn't exist. Is, <laughs> well, no, exactly. But I mean, it, there'd be no road. <laughs> there'd be way less roads. Is what yeah. I mean. Yeah. So designing a car now is it's more for nice to haves than need to haves. Sure. We've, we've nailed the kind of it'll drive off or on road, you know, sure. well. Um, and then we're kind of in the territory of bonus stuff. And yes and no. I think it's in like when you start bringing into the idea of like, well, if we drove those cars. Um, accidents would be a lot more fatal. Um, for example, the petrol they were burning uh, um, would be immense and the fumes um, and the obviously the invention of modern exhausts uh, and filtering um, and braking. Um, also, the price would be a lot higher. Um, mm-hmm. We wouldn't be able to mass produce them or import them. They were a lot heavier, so they burnt a lot more petrol. Uh, they were obviously metal sheets, which, you know, in some ways helps, but also then that metal sheeting has now a design to it where that, if it gets hit at 60 miles per hour, it crumples in a way that doesn't, you know, decapitate or eviscerate the contents. You know, um, <laughs> there is, uh, there is, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to call them speed bags. <laughs> what are they? Uh, <laughs> they should airbags. be called that. Airbags. airbags. Yeah. You know, uh, there's, <clears throat> you know, there's um, considerations here where, you know, for example, when we, when I think of our car here, it is highly likely that we will at some point be stranded um, and need to maintain some kind of warmth uh, they close mm-hmm. roads a lot. It's very could be very likely that we would be um, either snowed into the vehicle or could have an accident and have to wait for emergency services. And so, like, I need to think about heating and and obviously again, like a metal plated car isn't very great for that. Um, so you need to have some kind of upholstery and that adds weight and you know, like, so it, it is also you know a consideration of 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 practicality, you, you know, uh, uh, th- those, those are the considerations that kind of come along with that. And as you go down that road and you're like, well, how can we make it safe and this, and we have to mm-hmm. add this thing, you know, and, oh, we need to add a sensor so that, do, do you know what I mean? And then yeah, suddenly yeah. Or you've like got a, a modern phone so you can SOS. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Or, or, you know, like you need a battery and, and you maybe want a battery that lasts long, but then that battery maybe isn't very eco-friendly. And that engine isn't very eco-friendly or efficient. Um, so just, I think next time, just put a coat on a walk. That's, really, <laughs> yeah, sure. that's what I'm. That's what I'm going for. Sure, sure. So you so, know, yeah, there's I'm, swings and roundabouts. Uh, but but I think I think looking, um, I think not forgetting to look back and 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 remaining, you know, humble and having a connection with the the objects. I think I think you know would would someone feel the same way about their three D printed. Um, phone than they would about a vinyl. You know, would you treasure things in the same way, or would I think or, we a, or, a, or a or a you know a solid wood table over IKEA or yes, um, you know it's 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 interesting. I think as you know when you when you think of you know future generations, what again, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah, that's going to be interesting how that pans out. 
you know, loving a, a little 3D printed piece of plastic or, you know. Yeah, some... I mean, if I, if I left my grandchild my iPhone and my will, <laughs> would, they, would they likely be like, thanks, granddad, or... Uh. Oh my god, I'm a millionaire. Sure, <laughs> you know who knows. But even even uh, my son's preschool asked for like if anyone had any old phones or anything because I use them for kind of dressing up and doing whatever. Funny enough, we both had old iPhones, and we were like, they're like ancient, completely. You know, they put Obsolete. they probably just about work, but you know, had had a good innings. Really old. It must be like twos, threes, fours, whatever. And we were like, well, should we just, is that irresponsible? Like, um, you know, like it's an iPhone. Like, do you think how much money you would have paid for an iPhone when mm-hmm. they first came out? How coveted they are? How, how expensive they are now? So like, mm-hmm. is that a bit privileged to like, do you know what I mean? It's like, we're just going to give it to some kids to like snot on. Play, play <laughs> you know? But also you say they had a good innings. They're probably what, 10 years old, max? And Maybe longer. You, yeah, but you're... And, and I would have used them for maybe, I don't know, three or four know. years and they've probably a bit broken and a bit cracked and, and all yeah, the paints yeah. come off and or whatever, you know. So they're definitely, yeah, you just, know, they're, they're, they're long past use, but yeah, it kind of felt like a weird, I don't know, like a, like a you know, like the idea that when the synthesizer came out, everyone went and burnt their guitars or just gave them away. Yeah, yeah, you know? Or like you're or giving you, to know, your grandma's wedding ring. To, to a kid as a toy yeah yeah you know I don't quite know what that was but it was <laughs> we've had a few of these <laughs> so, recently but I, I yeah I think just embrace the embrace the kind of the natural tangent of things yeah but I think it's I think it's um, I think it's important I think it's important to look back and look forward I think it can help you know there's bigger to see a world outside of yourself and 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 you know, have an understanding of what's going on. I think, it, you know, and, and, you know, I've read a, a lot of books that inform, you know, so much of what we do now. It's, I think, the heart of politics and engineering and philosophy and psychiatry and all those things are so still, you know, all the things that we have now are so heavily influenced by what's come before. And, and some, to some degrees, some elements we still cling on to out of nostalgia, pure nostalgia, like the usefulness is, is, is long gone, you know, even the sense of kind of cars having an engine noise, you know, because it makes us feel yeah, more yeah. comfortable. Um, putting, blasting uh, white noise uh, down the end of a phone so you feel like there's someone on the other end. Um, like that's, that's, you know, the idea that you can control an elevator is another thing. Um, when, when really like, uh, uh, by all accounts, the open and close buttons um, are often not connected. Um, it's just a, yeah. the idea that, that it, it makes you feel like you've got some control over it. Um, but there, there's so so many elements now that are, are informed by the way, and, and modern politics and geography and and everything like that of of what once was, um, you know, is still so prevalent in you know everything Ukraine, everything like that now is is pure pure history and, 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 and geography as to, you know, to why those things are happening. Um, so I think it's, it's as important to, to, to look back and understand, to, to, to give you a, a better perspective of what may happen next, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, def- and we spend a lot of time thinking forward. So I think it's maybe just a, uh, I don't know, periods in your life where you spend more time being reflective or mm. uh, nostalgic or looking back, and then others looking forward. And sometimes you just don't do either and just have a nice day. Oh, that's it. That's it. There you go. Should we talk about some new music? Yes, Talking let's talk about things. some new music. Matt, do you have a, a lovely recommendation? Do you know what? There's actually an absolute shed load of new music out there. There is moment. actually. Um, so it's quite hard to pick one. Oh, it's really hard to pick one, actually. Maybe I'll pick two. What's your... Um, I, got just as my heartless okay i think actually i'm gonna pick the um the new tune by closure in moscow oh nice someone actually shared it on the um on the discord i think when it just came out it's called primal sinister and it's a really good tune okay um i'm a big fan of them australian dudes and it's been ages since they released an album and they've got an album coming up um yeah, it's a really, really, really good tune. It, remind, it reminds me of a couple of bands who are local to Brighton. Okay. Um, and whose name escapes me right now. But yeah, really, really cool vibes. Very okay. energetic, quite different to what I've heard from them before. Um, yeah. I'm not going to, I was just, I'm tempted to list things, but this isn't well, the idea I, of I was going to, I was going to. Choose one, Matthew. I, I. I, uh, in an effort to rein this podcast back to some kind of music is everything. Um, I was going to ask what your opinion was on the new Foo Fighters uh, song. If that was oh, see, that's on my list. I thought, I, um, you know what? I knew it was on the list and because I'd looked back into history and I was completely aware <laughs> that that nice. was something that, so I wondered your- Refer- I, Referencing history, I know that you're a Foo Fighters fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so- I like it actually. Okay. It's. It, I will say I feel it's kind of more of the same. I, I, th- I, I thought it was very of, reminiscent of previous records. Yeah, or like a bit of color and the shape vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't like what I mean by more of the same. It, I was like, oh my god, this is Foo Fighters. It, so it wasn't. It didn't blow my mind sure. in terms of unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing, obviously, is the, the drum thing. You yeah. kind of, uh, uh, obviously, Taylor has gone and they've chosen to carry on mm-hmm. with a drummer who hasn't yet been named. Mm-hmm. They've announced festivals. And so yeah, I was li- there listening to the drums. So they're not played by Dave Grohl, I don't think. Yeah, it doesn't I, sound I would crawly. have thought that would have made the most sense for the recording, but, and they'd just get a live guy. I've had a hunch since a while back, even before the, September uh like tribute gigs they did. Um that um Rufus Taylor of The Darkness and oh. Roger Taylor's son would take the throne. Sure. Not only because he looks like uh Taylor Hawkins, which is a bit weird, but is is temperament wise and playing style wise, he's like he's like a hard hitting uh rock drummer but with some technical prowess sure. he's he's really competent um as was as is his dad mm. um roger taylor of queen i feel like um, it feels like his style it feels like the right kind of thing like he's got enough kind of genealogy <laughs> to yeah you know. and there's 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 literal family ties like yeah. taylor hawkins was his godfather well it's like john uh, bonham's son as well 
like that kind of whole thing just makes sense, you know. Keep like, it in the family yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, it can't. And it, I feel like, and obviously, it's in the darkness now. Mm. Um, and obviously, the Foo Fighters is a bit of a once in a lifetime gig. Mm-mm. I'm sure they would understand. I meant to look at like t- the two's tour dates and see if there's any lineup sure. to see if they he was doing both. Or, um, maybe that's why Justin started his YouTube channel. Who knows? No, I'm joking. But but I th- but I feel like um, he's the man for the job. And if he isn't, that's cool. Maybe there's no. I couldn't find any credits. I looked on Reddit. I, that's me looking hard. Um, so I don't. It's not reported who's playing on it yet. But I, I guess that's. I don't want to say the big unveil. It sounds a bit disrespectful because mm. it's like. But it's it is obviously quite a big deal. So how they're. I guess I'm constantly surprised by how it. Uh, rears its head because it's quite a difficult thing to navigate there's yeah. no real good no outcome. like yeah there's no good way to deal with it like mm. Foo Fighters are over Dave Grohl goes solo sure. uh you know there's no there's no real good way for it to transpire but either way I like I like the new song and I'm sure Foo's fans are like mega happy that they're, they're touring they will do something that's I think uh respectful uh, to Taylor yeah. and yeah I still think it's Rufus Taylor yeah I, 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 yeah I, I think uh, l- listening to it certainly it kind of gave me that yeah like you say colour and the shape definitely gave me that kind of early and, and maybe that you know was kind of in, also intentional I think you know like um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a back to basics kind of kind of record it feels you know but at the same time as you know as much as we love a um as much as we love a story, this could be the perfect opportunity for them to come back with, you know, maybe their best record to date in, you know, given what's mm-hmm. come to pass. That you usually might be right. is how those things kind of go, right? Which was the first record that Taylor drummed on? I don't know. It was primarily recorded by Dave Grohl. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I, it wasn't. Because I was thinking whether it might be some, they must have had to think about you know, when the looking back element mm-hmm. and, you know, what was the first thing that Taylor played on? Was it one by one? Maybe. Um, no idea. Okay. I know they stole him from Alanis and that was kind of, so I think maybe earlier yeah. than that, I feel like, but, but yeah. And again, obviously, you know, they're lucky to have probably one of the greatest drummers in the world and, you know, as a guitar player as well. So it kind of, uh, I'm sure I I I'm fairly certain that Dave would probably do them himself. A for his okay. own, you know, just unless they're really gonna, you know, embrace some new chemistry. At, well, that at, was the thing because I thought if if you brought in a live guy, it's it's not really someone filling the shoes. It's more maybe uh, accepting that they're not going to try and do that. Yeah. So yeah, okay, Dave did the album. But then who plays it live? Do they just have a big screen up and do they go, I don't know. Yeah, I think... Is it a different guy each time? Is it just someone, random dude? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think all the other guys are kind of fairly, like Chris and uh, Pat, are kind of fairly there recording-wise and they add their parts. I think as a song as a whole, it feels very much like it's still Dave Grohl's ship and he's kind of steering that. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe taking the chance 
to invite some new chemistry and kind of have to navigate some new politics within that. I kind of feel like Dave Grohl knows what he wants and that's it's better for him to do it. And I think that was kind of really what was the battle within Foo Fighters is who gets to do the drums because, you know, like I say, it's it's your lead singer is also a very capable drummer, you know, and sure. and those and all the DVDs kind of really seem to showcase that in that you know it was sort of taylor's fight with dave really trying to win his approval or, or his own path and kind of resisting the the urge to to for him to kind of overrule uh, taylor so i think like i would have said probably they do it and dave does it and i wouldn't be surprised if there was even tracks that dave had still done even when Taylor was there, or at least changed, or whatever, it, it seems like that. It, you know, mm. he's, it's his. It seems like it's his ship, and then that's. Oh, I, do, and, I agree with that sentiment definitely. You know, so I, I'd yeah. have said having someone to come in and fill the shoes. I feel like that way. Like no one, maybe it's just like a. It's quite a risk to to bring someone in. At the same time, you know, like as far as like for example, like the Mars Volta or someone like that is concerned, when they would bring in a new drummer, I would, always thought it was really exciting because the mm-hmm. the new energy would be you know would be apparent on the record i think that's the the difference though like it's quite a unique situation well i guess it's like metallica right Mm. metallica is hetfield and ulrich Mm. and obviously Uh, almost a hundred percent yeah exactly but the two is is two of them so uh singer guitarist and a drummer Mm. foo's uh i know it started off as dave Grohl's thing but the two you'd mainly see sitting in interviews would be taylor and dave Yeah, yeah. So it's the duo. It's a, it's the Jagger and Richards. Mm-hmm. It's the Tyler and Perry or whatever. Mm-hmm. Axel and Slash. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of gin or I don't know, soap <laughs> company. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so the duo thing's difficult, and uh, the in a lot of examples, the duo's still there. Mm. Um trying to think of one whether or not and and in the Mars Volta it's uh, Cedric and Omar yeah. so switching the drummer out was maybe easier um, sure. so, so I, I'm, I'm interested sure. to see what happens yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. mean I thought I think just just as a note Taylor Hawkins is as a, as a character as a person I don't know I didn't know him mm-hmm. um, but as a character as as someone to kind of be inspired by there's someone who's that good and that cool mm. very rare yeah um, oh i mean i think everyone knows it's he's irreplaceable i think they they very clearly have to go into a not a different direction but at least just be kind of pointing uh, you know pointing elsewhere i think and that's a really hard thing for them as a band you know obviously you know when you think of someone you know, like Tom from Architects or something like that, you know, you kind of do, you kind of, not burdened, that's the wrong word, but you kind of have this weight of doing a record without someone like that in your band. And then inevitably you need to move away from that and, and kind of, you know, follow your nose in that, in that sense. And I think that can be really hard. So it'd be interesting where they go. I think the world, the world's kind of watching in that sense. Yeah. They'll know that as well, which is why it's kind of, I guess, interesting to see what they've thought up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll see. What about you anyway? New music wise. Oh yeah. So from the embers 
of um, Every Time Ty Die, um, uh, who were alongside um, Sugar were just the best riff writers in the world. It's it's a nice idea that you've written a riff, Jimmy Page or whoever you are, Tommy Only, but you're nothing. It's Meshuggah or Every Time I Die. They know about riffs. They know where they should go. They know how they should sound. They know what they are. And they're very um, uh, kind of unceremoniously, unceremoniously, unceremonious demise Um, all over the internet and, and a very ugly affair that, you know, I hope they resolve behind closed doors. Um, it was so nice to see the new band um, emerge, albeit sans um, Andy, who is kind of uh, very clearly uh, taking off in the wrestling world. And so that makes a lot of sense in that he's, that's his kind of main gig. So sad not to right. see him a part of it, but um, Jordan and Goose and Mitch um, from Every Time I Die with... Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name immediately. The lead singer of Dillinger Escape Plan. Uh, oh, thinky thinkiness. Thinky oh, thingy thinkiness. It's from Iceland. Thingy thinkiness. <laughs> what is his Greg, name? It's Mike. Greg. Greg. Pacino. But anyway, they have a new song called 30 Under 13 from their brand new band, Better Lovers. Um, it right. absolutely slaps, um, heavy as balls as you'd come to expect. Um, it has kind of in my, uh, I, uh, when I dip into Dillinger Escape Plan, I'm like, Oh, I like that bit. Oh, okay. I don't like that bit so much. Oh, I like that bit. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I'm at with them. So it's kind of like someone else is sort of like dating an ex-girlfriend or something of mine. So it's kind of like, oh, I love these guys and I, I know this guy. And so far, that's really good. Like, it's, it's exciting to see them. It feels like it's kind of almost like the best of Dillinger and, and Every Time I Die kind of come together, which is, I'm assuming, you know, what you'd hope for the band like that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. It would be cool. I, I, I kind of hope it brings out the best of, of kind of both of those bands and seemingly his voice is, is kind of really suited to... Um, Obviously, they're kind of you know a lot of influence between the two of them anyway, but kind of nice to see uh, the two styles really come together and, and feel you know feel really good and feel really genuine and just exciting and and I think that's kind of the best that any of the kind of fans could really hope for in that sense. Out you know knowing that kind of every time I die is is, is really dead. So um, uh, uh, exciting to see them come out with something new. And hopefully, yeah, I think, I'm assuming they're on tour all over the world. I think in the UK and America and that's not the world, some of the world, small <laughs> part of the world. And um, uh, and yeah, hopefully a, a new record. I'd be interesting what happens next. Like I say, this is the first first uh, song from, from that. So um, who knows? Yeah, hopefully it'd be cool to see what, again, like, you know, every time I die with a different singer to some degree, mm-hmm. like it'd be interesting to see where they would go with that. And also where Greg could go every time I die sometimes a little more melodic and they were kind of pushing towards a bit of that. And I thought that was really exciting. And, you know, sadly the last record, they seemed to make some big kind of leaps towards, you know, a, a cool kind of middle ground. So it'd be interesting kind of where they land on that. Whereas maybe 
it feels like maybe this first record anyway is kind of uh, about making an impact and that's kind of so obviously I think that could be just balls to the wall maybe who knows but um, maybe interesting interesting where it lands and interesting how it continues between and, and nice what were they what was the band called again Better Lovers Better Lovers nice and the track's called 30 Under 13 um, so yeah hopefully it I, yeah as with any band that's kind of like made up of two other bands it'd be good to really feel it be its own thing as opposed to like a novelty thing or not a novelty but for it to to be like oh this is the band now you know like rather mm-hmm. than a temporary thing or or you know something that might happen and then go go away or scheduling or well you know what i mean like it'd be nice mm-hmm. for a, a a new band to come out of this that, that that could kind of have the same kind of you know lore and history i think that would be pretty cool yeah man definitely cool Wicked. All right. Well, thanks for having us, everyone. Thanks, thanks everyone. for being here. And um, excitingly, today is the day, depending on when you're listening to this, mm-hmm. but our listening party monthly, Tuesday, second Tuesday of the month, is happening on this fair Tuesday as this podcast comes out. Um, yeah, come join on the Discord. All the links are in the box below. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to our Patreons. Thanks to our sponsors. Patreons. Thanks to... Andrew, thank you. Thank you, Um, Matt. Thank you. We'll see you next Tuesday, unless we're ill, but we'll try not to be. (laughs) I'm going to, you know, max out on my ginger-based juices and, uh, yeah, try and be... And we'll try and talk about something else. We probably will. (laughs) We probably. (laughs) I reckon. We'll try. I reckon. I I know we've spoken a lot about the history, but I reckon I know the future, and the future is next time we'll probably talk about something different. Shit, man. Probably. That is. I'm excited. Well, we'll see you then. Yeah, man. I'll see you then. See you then. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.